Hopefully you have your Bibles this morning and uh, your bulletin. There's an, an, there's an outline for you. I'm gonna, I want to say thanks to Glenn Watt for preaching last week. Um, very capable in my, my absence. Uh, I was told this week that I really am not necessary around here. I suppose that's... Hey, somebody say amen. That's what I thought. Uh, I suppose that's a good thing. But um, anyways, thanks, Glenn. And I heard you did a fantastic job, so thank you. This morning, we're going to continue in our series in James, and we're going to look at verse 12. And um, I want to, I want to um, see if I can provide a bit of a word picture for you this morning to prevent what might occur. Uh, my children, by now, when I tell them something that I have told them repeatedly over and over and over in life, you can almost see when I start launching into what I think is very excellent and wise advice, you can start seeing this glaze that comes over their, their eyes. Um, that's when Denise gets out the electric chair. But what we try to do, what we try to do is we try to find new ways to be able to help our children understand the same truth. So what I want to see this morning is if you can prevent the glaze that may come over your souls at this very familiar verse. We've been talking about trials now for several weeks. And um, I want to see if you can help, and we will ask God to help us, prevent ourselves from glossing over what I think could be life-changing. I don't really mean to do some sort of pastoral flourish on that. I really believe this is life-changing for every one of us in here. We all, it's amazing. I don't know why you guys come here to hear me preach. I really am amazed at that. I'm amazed that anybody in America goes to anybody to hear them preach because we have such an individualistic society. But I'm thankful for that. I'm amazed, though. But I wonder if what you're coming in here this morning with in your heart is a hunger and a readiness to say, okay, that's what the Word of God says. Let me see how I'm doing. That's what I'm encouraging this morning. Let me start this morning by, being, by giving you an illustration from my high school days. In high school, my track coach just did not appreciate my athletic abilities. So he made me run the 800-meter event. Now, in my school, it's a very tiny little school in upstate New York. The 800-meter event was our washout event. Nobody ever thought we'd win that. Nobody even cared. Hardly anybody even watched it was the event that was usually given to the worst runner on the team. So I was given the opportunity to reap glory. My only objective was not to be lapped. Now, the 800 is only twice around the track. A little hard to be lapped, but I did come close to having that happen. Now, some of you might think, well, lapped, being lapped in the 800, that's impossible, but I can assure you I was regularly capable of the impossible when it came to track. Now, let me say this humbly. Never did I ever win an 800-meter race. I can even more humbly say that I never, ever finished above last place. Okay? I was not a very good track star. In fact, my star had set a long time. It was a passing comment. But one thing I did when I ran... And I always did this. Usually every team's runners were already in, but when I was rounding that last curve, I don't know what it, why I did this. I've always done this, and all the times I've been running in any event, as soon as I see and as soon as I saw that finish line, for whatever reason, I kicked it in to the next gear. Unfortunately, that gear was first. <laughs> 
a little too late. I have the granny gear going, but uh, what I want to encourage you this morning through the text, I really want you to slow down for a second. And this next 25 or so minutes, I want us to really focus on what is God saying to you and I to encourage us through trials. Let me ask you this. How many of you, and be honest, I'm going to ask for your hands. How many of you this past week encountered some trials or difficult times in your life? Raise your hand. Every one of us almost raised your hands on that. Here's the text, and then we're going to pray. James 1.12, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the, the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Let's pray. Lord, we need your help this morning. We need to see what you are wanting to say to us. James is encouraging his readers. Lord, may the truth of God this morning be encouraging to each of us. Lord, I pray that we'd be a community of redeemed people, Lord, that wraps around one another and enables us to run the race to the finish. Lord, I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me review because it's been several weeks. If you remember, James is writing to scattered Jewish believers who are undergoing nonstop trials. Difficulties in their lives. Some of them are big, some of them are small. But James has taught them that they are to consider, remember that Greek word, it means to lead your mind through the trial, undergirding it with truth in God. So consider, James says, it joy when you experience trials because the end result, and this is why it's joyful, if we endure is maturity. It's completeness. Now, listen, this is what I want you to repeat after me in a moment. Faith is being tested in trials. Everybody say that with me. Faith is being tested in trials. This is what James is teaching, that it's their faith being tested and maturity. How do you define that? Well, in the Greek, it's defined as becoming single-minded, pursuing loving, uh, pursuing, loving, hoping in God alone, and not both God and this world. So faith needs to have no division in it between what we say we believe and how we choose to live. Faith needs to be singular. Wisdom is what James says. Ask God for wisdom. Because wisdom is the glue. And I want you to get this. Everybody look up here for just a second. Wisdom is the glue that sticks together your faith and your deeds. That's what it biblically means to ask for wisdom. It doesn't mean to ask God for information so I can make the right decision. God is more interested in that you live right in pursuit through that trial. That's what wisdom is. And so James illustrated what he'd been talking about in verse uh, 9, 10, and 11. He says, he used a phrase of verse 11, scorching heat. For James, that's a word picture for trials. You see, trials remind poor people who are poor in the eyes of this world that they have riches in Christ. And, poor, and trials remind rich people in the eyes of this world that their material possessions mean nothing. And they will go not even an inch beyond this world. So this morning in verse 12, James again looks at perseverance, but now he zeroes in and he picks it apart. And we're going to learn four things about perseverance. Number one, and here we go. Perseverance results in God's favor. Now, right now, before the glaze can come to your eyes, 
I want you to interact with that. Perseverance results in God's favor. But Pastor Tim, we have favor in Christ. We're going to learn this morning that while we do, God's full blessing is for those who persevere through trials. Let's look at it. Blessedness is a standard word in Judaism. You hear it all the time in the Old Testament. You read it constantly. Blessed be the people of the Lord. In Judaism, people faithful to God are called blessed. So listen, if you have an Old Testament person that is an Israelite, they are part of the people of God, but they are not faithful, the Bible never ever calls them blessed. Blessedness is for the people of God who are faithful to Him. In the prophets and in the wisdom literature, Psalms and Proverbs, the blessed are those who have the wisdom to see that through difficulty, God forges yours and my character. That's what wisdom is. So what does it mean for you and I, for you and me to be called blessed? Let me me say this. We're going to see it in a minute. Blessedness has a present And a future connotation. Now stick with me. I want you to learn this morning. So grapple with this. The one who perseveres is qualified to be called blessed. And the future reward will be the crown of life. And you're going to see that in a minute as we unfold verse 12. Now listen, here it is. Blessed blessed is the gracious and saving effect of God's favor. Now make sure you understand what I'm saying. For you and I to be called blessed biblically. Then what that means is you are already in Christ. And because you are in Christ, you are walking faithfully to him. And out of that faithful walk with the Lord, God calls you blessed. In other words, an unfaithful Christian will not be, listen, fully blessed By God. Now, listen, some of us are not very faithful in here. All of us sin. Some of us are willfully sinning and hardening our hearts away from God. God's working to bring us back. He may be using a person, He may be using a book, He may be using a a television preacher, He may be using His Bible, but we're resisting it. We're hardening our heart to it. Friends, you will not be fully blessed by God in that. When I sign cards, and I'm signing a lot right now because it's graduation, but when I sign cards, I almost always write this. May God bless you as you walk faithfully with him. Because I'm not going to ask and expect and pray for God to bless people who are willing to go against him. He will not bless. I've had people come into my office in absolute pointed sin and asked me to pray that God would bless them. And I've had to tell them, I will not pray for that. I'll pray that you repent. I'll pray that you turn your life around. I'll pray that God's grace so permeates your mind that you hate the sin and you love Him and walk faithfully with Him. And then I'm free. I'm free to pray for God's blessings for you. Blessed people of God anticipate good to come to them, even in their trials. 
They have a life joy. They have a satisfaction that, that neither of them are linked to what's happening in their lives. It's part of the intrinsic nature of being in Christ and walking faithfully with Him. That's what it means for God to bless. You want to know what it really means for God to bless? I love this imagery. This is what the core of blessing means. It means that God's favor has turned toward you. That's what it means. Blessed are trial-saturated believers, James says. And he's referring to their spiritually prosperous state made so because of the favor of God who lives in them by the Spirit of God and is sanctifying those who are cooperating with Him. Let me explain it this way. When we, even though frail, weak, sinful creatures of Christ, even when we walk faithfully with God, cooperating with the Spirit of God, God's favor turns towards us and His blessings flow, giving us a higher quality of life here on earth. But note here what James says, blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. Blessed is the man who, you remember that word, perseveres, who stays under the trial without grabbing, without trying to create, without trying to find the shortcut out of that trial, but rather they stay under the trial, trusting that God, when he is ready, will open a way out of it for his grace. Blessed are they who can stay under trials and know and experience the power of living in God's favor. Blessed are they when we persevere through trials. The blessing of God is that he has not left us alone, but he's exerting his mighty power to help us overcome the trial. To persevere is to not lose faith. To persevere is to not abandon Hope. It is to keep one's faith in God even though fiery trials come against us. We see that extremely clearly in Daniel chapter 3. Listen to this. O Nebuchadnezzar, they say, at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they are beginning ready to be placed inside of a superheated furnace because they will not bow down to the likeness of Nebuchadnezzar. They said, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. They're persevering. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, this is faith. This is persevering. This is staying under it without trying to find the shortcut. They didn't say, Nebuchadnezzar, you're right. We'll go ahead and bow, but in our hearts, we're not going to really worship. But we'll go ahead and do that. They didn't say that. They didn't find the shortcuts. They stayed under it and said, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. That were, They were faithful. The one who perseveres through trials is one who will not Give up on God. Peter says it this way, the faithful know that the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials. Friends, you're not in a trial that God cannot rescue you through and from. 
You remember this word perseverance in verses 3 and 4. It means, again, to endure. It means to refuse to quit trusting God. It means to refuse to abandon hope. It is this perseverance. Friends, if you are in Christ, it is this perseverance that enables you to experience the favor of God. Here it is happy are you who are going through trials right now and enduring because your endurance reveals that you have been recipients of God's favor. In the early 16th century England, this is a true story. A spiritual revolution occurred and one of its leaders was a man named Thomas Bilney. And I want you to remember this guy's name when you're going through your own trials. Bilney was a hardworking, humble and religious man. He pursued the Ten Commandments with a passion. But through this, he came to realize that all of his self-efforts... All of the influence of the priests, all of the church's religiosity... All of it had no power to change him. Now listen to this and know what happened in the life of Bilney. Finally, he says, and I quote, My last state is worse than the first, but when a friend handed him a copy of the New Testament, he read it and he realized that Christ came into this world to save sinners. And he proclaimed, quote, I am the greatest of sinners, but Christ saves sinners. At last I have heard of Jesus. And so Bilney goes out and he begins to preach all over England. And he, be, he begins to preach the truth in Christ. And it wasn't long before the church raised its ugly head to stop him. It wasn't long before Bilney was put on trial and found guilty of heresy against the church. And the judge who presided over his case, desperate to save Bilney, gave him several days in prison to recant of his faith or be burned at the stake. Let me tell you what happened. Instead of his friends coming to prison and teaching him James 1.12 to endure through the trial because it's in the endurance through the trial that God's favor is turned toward you and he will bless you throughout whatever happens. Instead of that, they came in and they convinced Bilney that his life would be more Worthy for Christ if he recanted and lived longer. They convinced him to renounce his faith. And when he was brought before the judge, Thomas Bilney recanted of his faith in Christ. The story's not done. He soon went back to preaching, but he couldn't elude the guilt and the shame of what he knew was wrong. And he determined that if ever the opportunity came again, he would not fail. But this time, a man named Hugh Latimer and other men of God wrapped around Bilney and helped him endure through the trial because the trial came again. And he was brought back before the same judge. And this time, he refused to recant his faith and he was sentenced to death by burning. And when he was uh, brought to the stake, he wasn't forced. He walked on his own accord. And instead of cringing in fear, he embraced the stake because it was an opportunity to die for his Lord. And as the flames, as the historians document it, slowly began to consume him, he persevered through the trial and he was counted as blessed. 
Perseverance always results in God's favor. But number two, perseverance proves our faith genuine. James says, when he has stood the test, I love this phrase in the Greek, because what it really means is it literally says, having become approved. You see, in classical Greek, this word test was used to describe the examination of precious metals and coins and the announcement that they had approved the authenticity of the coins. In other words, coins were tested, and if they passed, approval was given. And so James says, having become approved. MacArthur says this, John MacArthur, he says, perseverance attests to God's approval, for it gives evidence of eternal life. In other words, he says, perseverance does not result in salvation. Perseverance does not make anyone saved, but it is itself the result and the evidence of being saved. You see, it's critical for you and I. Now listen, if you're glazing over, get it back off your eyes and listen for just a moment. It is critical to persevere in trials, brother and sister in Christ. And to not lose hope in Christ, because afterward, our faith, if we are enduring, will be proven to be genuine. See, God uses trials in this way in his people's lives. He tests whether or not our faith is genuine. You see, Satan, by the way, never does this. Satan Satan also tests. They're called temptations. It's the same word, though, basically. Satan also tests us, but his his goal is to disprove our faith, to discredit our faith. faith. Whenever God tests us, whenever he, he brings a trial to us, what he's doing is he is working in us so that we can pass the test and he can prove our faith genuine. So enduring trials with trusting confidence in God will receive his, his approval. It's the great aim and it's the great question you and I ought, ought to always be asking ourselves in the midst of trials. Am I right now proving my faith genuine in this trial? And we can have the confidence that Paul had in Philippians 1.6 where he says, We are confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. How awesome is that? So perseverance proves our faith genuine. Number three, perseverance receives God's blessings. Let's read verse 12 again. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised. Crown of life. The word crown, it's not a king's crown. It's not a a crown of authority. It's an athlete's crown. It's the wreath that they would put on top of the victor's head in any athletic event in Greece. It symbolized persevering triumph. The crown is eternal life. The literal rending of this rendering of this phrase is the crown which is eternal life. The crown is eternal life, but in this age it is a life lived in the will of God as his faithful and loyal servant. So the phrase crown of life is notable. Friends, did you realize that this only occurs in one other place in scripture? 
There's only two spots in all of the Word of God that you ever will read about the crown of life. Revelation 2.10 is the other. Look what it says. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. Remember, I told you that he tests us to discredit our faith. And you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, be full of faith, even to the point of death. And I will give you the crown of life. So in each case, James 1.12 and Revelation 2.10, the crown of life is connected to enduring trials. It's a unique crown. You have crowns of glory. You have many other crowns in Scripture. But the crown of life is given to those who endure trials. The believer who endures trials by trusting God will have a life that, even though it's not filled with glory and honor in this world, it is abundant Joyful and victorious. This is the reward from God for those Christians who faithfully persevere. But look at what it says. James says he will receive the crown of life that God has promised. Friends, did you know this, that God loves to promise? Do you know that God loves to make promises? He's a covenant-making God. And he's never made a promise that he hasn't upheld. See, blessings in all of Judaism, you got to get this, you ready? Blessings are always signs of covenants. Covenants always came with blessings and cursings. If I were, let's say that Glenn and I were neighbors in the Old Testament, and we each had land next to one another, and we make and create a covenant, What we would do in Judaism is we would take an animal and we would cut it in two. We would separate the parts of that animal. And then Glenn and I, surrounded by witnesses, would clasp hands and walk through that separated, dead, cut animal. By the way, that's what covenant means. It means to cut. And what that would do is it would say to Glenn and I in the presence of all these witnesses that if either of us violate the boundaries of our lands in any generation to come, then what was done to that animal will be done to us. You see, covenants always carry curses and blessings. See, the blessings were if we uphold that covenant, then our families will have peace for generations to come and we'll dwell together in tranquility. You see, God loves to make covenants. Blessings are a sign of his covenant. Blessings come because our covenant God honors his promises to his faithful children. See, here's what James is saying. James is saying to these persecuted believers, you have God's promises. So that when you, re, when you endure through these trials, God's favor is upon you and he will enable you to stand and pass a te- test so that your faith is genuine and he will give to you the crown of life. Finally, number four, perseverance reveals our love for God. I love this point. It is so undertaught in Christianity. Look at what it says, the second half of that verse. He will receive the crown of life that God has promised. Listen, to those who make a decision for Christ at age six. That he has promised to those who attend church all their lives. That he has promised to those who do a lot of good things, more good things and bad things. None of that is in here. To those who love him. 
Not to those who lived good life. Not to those who made a decision. It's to those who actively love God. You see, James is writing, and he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that God has promised the crown of life to those who love Him, to those who endure through trials. Paul wrote, 1 Corinthians 8, the man who loves God is known by God. God is familiar. He's intimately aware of those who love him. The person who endures trials, trusting God, demonstrates his love for God. But there's one more thing I have to teach you about the word persevere. And this is almost the most important part of this message. In the Greek language, both the word persevere in verse 12 and the word love, guess what? They're verbs. Verbs are action terms. Persevering in trials, friends, does not mean hunkering down until the trial passes and then coming out in confidence. It means in the midst of trials, enduring towards God, enduring in faith. It means to keep your faith intact. It means to pass the test. And here's what it really means. To endure in trials is to not allow our focus to become ourselves because every trial-ridden child of God whose focus becomes themselves becomes discouraged and depressed. It's unavoidable. It means that the focus becomes other people. It means in the midst of trials, you want to endure trials, and it's an action verb, which means to get serving them, to get loving them, to get loving God. When you love others, you are loving God. When you obey God's commandments according to the epistle of John, then you are loving God. That's what it means to love and to endure and to persevere. Love is not just to be talked about, it's to be demonstrated. It's not just to be thought about, it's to be shown. It's not just to be uh, put together in a sermon, it's to be lived out in your life. This person, this person that lives, that demonstrates trust of God in the midst of trials, it's this person that God will reward because it's this person that has demonstrated love for Him. It's Christians who do not follow faith with deeds will not experience the confidence of walking in His favor. I'm going to say that one more time as we close this morning. If you and I will not live faith coupled with deeds, God will not bless you. So a persevering Christian will experience God's favor and His blessings because they are proving their faith genuine through enduring trials. And after they prove their faith genuine, God gives to them a crown of life that is a higher quality of life in this world. And in the world to come. I hope this morning you've glimpsed the finish line. And that you've seen the reward that God promises to those who prove their faith genuine by persevering through trials. It demonstrates their trust in the Lord. Let me, let me make this statement as a way to sum it all up and close. You ready? No more glaze in the eyes. Here it is. Friends. God wants you to pass the test. When I taught and student taught in high school, or undergrad rather, in in a local high school, and I had to give my students tests, I so desperately wanted them to pass. I did anything I needed to do to prepare them and help them. God loves you. 
God knows your trials. God wants you to prove your faith genuine. And he is assisting you. He is turning his face to you with favor. If you will remain faithful to him and endure under the trial until he calls you out of it. There is somebody you know that's in the midst of trials. Please don't leave them to themselves. Or community. Wrap around them. And help them endure. So that they can have the blessings of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, its faithfulness in our lives. Lord, we thank you that you want us to prove our faith genuine. You are working in us through the power of the Spirit of God to complete our faith. You are the author and the finisher, author and the perfecter of our faith. Lord, you are the grace that has appeared that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Lord, we thank you that the Spirit of God is laboring and working and mediating and interceding between us and you so that we can prove our faith genuine and endure the trials that come before us. Lord, let us be a people of God to have trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.